The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Bleed green. Are you an ultimate Eagles football fan? Well, you're in the right place. Well, you're in the right place. This is Bird 365, hosted by the new Mac and Mac, Jody McDonald and John McMullen. Here we go, here we go. Who collectively have covered and talked about more than 50 plus years of Eagles football. Kick off your day with Birds 365. You'll get debate. We love to argue. You'll get the real story from inside the locker room. And you'll hear from some of the great football minds from around the region. You're about to become an Eagles insider. Get in the game. Join Jody Mack and Johnny Mack and join the football community that flocks to Birds 365. Birds 365 starts right now. Welcome to the NFL. Let's go. Let's go. Go. You've got Mac and Mac. That would be John McMullen and Jody McDonald here with you on a off-season Thursday morning. It's amazing. There is absolutely nothing going. There's no problem. There's all there's plenty to talk about. The <laughs> Eagles seem to find oh, things man. for us to talk about, even on a Thursday in February morning. Here on Birds Three Sixty. There's too I, much. I would argue too much. Uh, I, I, boy, yeah. Oof. Oof. Um, and we're going to get into all of it over the next two hours. Two good guests, John Stolmas and Cratch, joining us today. Um, and it's funny. I had the two or three things I thought we should talk about here in segment number one. And then John and I both punch up on the stream and he notes A.J. Brown. And I had not seen his social media post yet. I said, all right, well, we can start there. But even before that, I thought A.J. Brown trumped me at 759 over what I thought should be the first story of the day. Oh no, I'm going to our stream. Uh to our guy Daz, who's a, a frequent streamer. We love Daz. That, that's um, a good line, by the way. I like that. That's a good line. Who are Statler and Waldorf? I think he's talking about the golfers. I think uh, Craig Statler and and what is Waldorf's first name? I think I think that's what he's talking about. Uh, yeah, I guess because we look like Statler and Wald. I think if it is, that's pretty funny. I give him credit. Uh, I got no idea what the hell he's talking about. They, they, they could have been uh, Crimean polit- uh, policy makers. <laughs> I no idea who Statler and Waldorf are. I think I think that's what uh, I, I think he's talking about the golfers. But I think 
I, it made me chuckle if he is talking. If he isn't, I got no idea what he's talking about. That's kind of because uh, that's not the way. And and spelling is optional when you're typing stuff. Oh, out. yeah. That's not the way. That's spell, yeah. Not even close. Spelling's not. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm speculating to say so, the least. So, Daz, we're talking to you. What the hell are you talking about with Statler and Waldorf? We we don't quite know. And yes, John and I may argue today, but uh, we we will get over it and deal with it. Not a problem, none whatsoever. No matter who you want to compare us to. Um, all right, let's argue uh, with <laughs> let's argue with AJ Brown. Um, I did not see his uh, social media posts. You told me about it right before the show started. Uh, you and I, you certainly you have discussed the fact that individuals, mostly fans, but sometimes uh, the players and or team uh, will, quote unquote, group the Philadelphia media into one big pile. And they'll accuse the Philadelphia media of doing something or conspiracy or whatever else. And sometimes the Philadelphia media is just your um, ever-growing but still relatively small group of Eagle Beat reporters, and then you can pull everybody else into the mix, like yours truly and uh, other writers and other broadcasters, TV, radio, whatever else, and they become the Philadelphia media. A.J. Brown decided to take a shot at the Philadelphia media when it was, at best, a former member of the Philadelphia yeah. media who decided yeah. to stir the pot this week. What the hell is A.J. getting at? Yeah, I don't know, and uh, you know, and I thought about uh, tweeting back, and I don't want to start that. I I think, and I can all you know, I think AJ knows uh, that the people that are there every day, the people he sees, their faces every day, are pretty fair and objective to him. I think, um, and you know, you get frustrated at times when stuff comes out because I mentioned yesterday on the show it was clear where Craig wanted people to go with that, and that's one of the problems I had with it. And it's about AJ, um, at least from the standpoint of what I think he was trying to accomplish. And he's not Philadelphia media, so that part of it's lame when people do that, and it drives me crazy. You know, I've said it on the show like we're all sitting in a restaurant coming up with ways to. Um, you know, take down the Philadelphia Eagles, which is ludicrous. So, yeah, I it it bothers me, but there's not much you can do about it. I mean, it's never going to stop. People think that way. People believe that way. If I could stop it, I would stop it. I think you know, AJ, you know, on social media has had a, a long history. He tends to do things and then calm down and realize, yeah, that probably wasn't fair. I think the same thing will happen here, but we'll see how it shakes out. Um, but yeah, it certainly wasn't. Uh... Now, D Guns weeded something out as well, so that might have been part of it, uh, um, which, you know, but I, I, I don't think that was, that's just, D Guns basically just retweeting what people are are telling him and what he said was one thing about Jalen Hurts, which was Jalen's big contract, pulled him in numerous directions on and off the field, uh, which put him under a lot of pressure and he didn't handle well. I got the same thing. I wrote that in Sports Illustrated earlier this week. So, And our, our, our buddy Joe Santa Liquido got the same thing as well probably a month ago um, when he did his piece on, on Bleeding Green Nation. So clearly there's a perception in the building 
that that was the case. Whether it's true or not is a different conversation. But if somebody believes that, and I, I'm pretty sure Derek and I and Joe and everybody else who's done it, because it's more than that, but those are the three I know offhand, aren't talking to the same person. So there's a perception in the building that that's what happened. And then the second part was about Big Dom, which has nothing to do with AJ. And it's about Sirianni's emotions on the sideline, which Nick has admitted he's a work in progress. He gets too emotional at times. And and I pointed out the quote he had on December 26th. He's already admitted that he's a work in progress. Um, and, and Big Dom is sort of his get-back coach. If you think about Sean McVay, made the get-back coach famous. Ironically, it's Ted Rath who works for the Eagles, was Ted Rath. Um, it's not that big of a deal. Anybody trying to speculate, oh, Big Dom wasn't there for Nick Sirianni, and that's why the Eagles lost? Come on. I, I mean, at, at what point do you get down to the players? At what point? When you're done blaming the coaches and the security guy and everybody else under the sun, at what point do you get to the stinking players? Uh, A couple things about uh, what D Gunn said. Um, And you and I know D Gunn and how good he is and the kind of contact he has and the fact that the players do, right, just saddle up and tell him stuff. He is very good at getting it out of the players. I'm not surprised about the Jalen thing. You know this because I did it with you right here on Birds 365. When Jalen Hurts signed that mega contract, I said, do I think that Jalen Hurts is going to get fat cat? Do I think he'll ease up because, hey, I got paid. I'm good. Uh, No, I didn't believe that was going to be the case. Dude, I think he was going to get a big head and an ego and be difficult to deal with because he got paid. No, I didn't believe that was going to be the case. Did I think this Jalen Hurts was potentially not going to put in the work necessary during the off season because he won't be as driven as he usually is? No, I didn't believe that was going to be the case. But the one thing I did worry about was that he was going to become not only the face of the Philadelphia Eagles, but one of the faces, certainly lining up behind Patrick Mahomes, but one of the faces of the league, which is going to bite into your time. People are going to want you to go and shoot video and tape commercials and glad and everything else. And that to me was a legitimate concern. And the way D Gunn wrote it, uh, being pulled in numerous directions on and off the field, That's exactly what I thought could happen. What I didn't think, and Derek at least puts emphasis on this, and again, as you stated, John, none of us know for sure. The only one who really knows for sure is Jalen. Those inside the inner circle of the Eagles can certainly have uh, speculation on it because they're there with him every single day, spending time watching him, uh, reading his eyes and stuff like that. They succumb to the pressure of the contract. If that's accurate, John, that's not good. That That's a legit concern because the other things that he had to go through last offseason, deal with the contract, worrying about the contract, then when it gets done, being asked to do all this extra work, maybe didn't get the football work in that he did, that, that'll succeed. That'll come back this year. But if he didn't deal well with the pressure of being a $250 million quarterback, well, guess what? He's even more of a $250 million quarterback this year because – 
last year was the last year of his previous deal. This is the first year of his actual new deal, and his cap hit is going to be that much higher. So he's a smart enough guy to realize, yeah, even more is going to be expected of me, which should ratchet up the pressure. That scares me a little bit. Do you think that's the case? How accurate do you think D Gun's read on it was that he felt the pressure and he didn't handle it well? Yeah, that's uh, interesting. I didn't think of that, so I'll give you credit. Uh, I I focus more on yeah he didn't handle it well um, because I heard the same thing and and as I said, Joe wrote the same thing. Other people, I think Jeff Jeff McLean wrote the same thing. Um, so we're all hearing the same thing. So I kind of, I got, I guess I got hyper focused on that as far as being under a lot of pressure and he didn't handle that well, specifically. D-Gun used that very phrase under a lot of pressure. So that's why I'm asking you, what do you think, uh, Jalen? Do you, do I, do you think that was a contributing factor? To Jalen's less than. I mean, I I don't. I think the perception, like I said, the perception to me is, and you can read it both ways. I get why you're reading it that way. I read it as he's getting pulled in numerous directions, and the pressure of that he didn't handle well. You know, the pressure, not the pressure on the pressure of being pulled in different directions, rather than the pressure of performing on the field. Yeah, because that 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 because I've heard similar things. So that's why I took it that way. You could be right. You could have taken it the right. I could have taken it the wrong way. Um, and, and, and I didn't think of that. So good on you for, you know, bringing up that part of it. Um, I, I just, you know, this guy played on the largest stages at Alabama. He played on the suit. He was phenomenal in the Super Bowl. I, I, I just don't think that stuff is going to affect him. I mean, part of that is baked into my, thought process on the player to begin with. Um, he, he he never seems overwhelmed by the moment in the actual game. I think that's when he's happy. I think the other stuff is a pain in the you-know-what. I compare it to coaches in that, you know, it doesn't matter what you are or where you say or where you've been or what you've done as a coordinator. I swear I've talked to so many coaches over the years. Every single one of them says the same thing. Oh, I didn't know how much other stuff I had to do. How much other bull they usually say bull bleep or something of that nature. You know, whether it's dealing with people like me, the media, or whether it's TV, you know, you got to sit down with the the TV crews or doing the games and take all this time out of your way. You got to do charity stuff. You got to you're pulled in 90 million directions that is far different than football. We talk, we've been talking about in college with uh, NIL, the transfer portal, and all the college coaches want to get out because they can't focus on football. It's not that bad in the NFL, but um, the, for the head coaches, a lot of their time is focused on things other than football, and they got to get used to it, and they got to uh, figure out a way to manage it, and the people that do it do it well. Some people never do it well, never figure it out, and they're gone, and they're back being coordinators and or or position coaches and maybe they're happy with that but um yeah i i look at it similarly to that in that you know he's pulled in a million different directions and he's got to do that 
And maybe it's, you know, maybe it's turning down an, an endorsement or maybe it's that to, to make sure he's got, because I was told he's, and, and the quote I got was he's a creature of habit and he's got everything set up and he was getting pulled in all these different directions and he couldn't do his normal routine. And the perception is that that, that hurt him a little bit. So, but I understand the way you explained it and it could be that I, I can't say a hundred percent. It's not that, but I, everything I've seen about Jalen hurts in, in football games, he doesn't seem to get overwhelmed by moments. So yeah, not at all. If anything, he's too flatline a guy. I think he would need to be more emotional than less emotional as a matter of fact. And one last thing before we get our first guest, Johnny Stone, that's ready to rock. Um, Nick Sirianni work in progress. You're a three-year NFL coach now. There's no more progress. You need to be a finished product, big guy. Uh, year one, okay, fine. Year two, you went to the Super Bowl. Work in progress was never uh, broached. Now this year, you take a step backwards. Well, he was walk, talking about his emotions. Working. He's not. He's I not don't care what it. he was talking about. Talking You're about a finished it, product. You've got two full years of the Super Bowl appearance logged under your belt. You can't use that as an excuse. That's out the window. I'm sorry. That's well, lame. I, 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 I think everybody's gross. I think Andy I'm Reed six years old. I'm coach. a work in progress. Full bleep. Well, you no, are. You I'm, gotta I'm, be what you are. I You're mean, expected to develop in certain stages in life. And once you've logged two years into the NFL head coach, you can't throw your hands up and go, well, you know, I'm still a work in progress. Well, no, you're said, being paid to be a done product. Well, and to be fair, here's this quote about, you know, he's asked about, being too emotional on the sidelines. I need to be better in those scenarios when there are some high pressure areas. They've got to see me calm and not tense. They are the players. There's a time and place to be tense and there's a time and place not to be. I know that's something that I've always have to work out that I always have to work on as a head coach. And so that's something I'm constantly working on. So, I mean, I don't think that's bad. I don't think that's bad at all. Where everybody's a human being. Everybody makes mistakes. He could be coaching this team for a quarter century. He's not, obviously, but he could be coaching this team for a quarter century like Bill Belichick or being the league for a quarter century like Andy Reid. You're still learning stuff. You're still getting better. I, I don't have a problem with that at all. At all. I, I don't remember Belichick saying when he was relieved of duty of the Patriots. So I'm still working on stuff. I think he kind of Well, whether it. you verbalize it or not, you're still working on stuff. You, in, in fact, that's when what you sets verbalize in. it, you're pointing it out. You're using it as well, an well, there's excuse. Nothing that's wrong. Weak. There's, there's nothing wrong with verbalizing things uh, uh, as long as you correct them. If you don't correct them it, and then you identified, is it a weakness in your game? Yeah, then you can argue. But saying I don't have any weaknesses, well, you're 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 an a-hole at that point. Everybody's got weaknesses. Andy Reid still makes mistakes. Andy Reid makes time management mistakes in the Super Bowl, as everybody likes to point out in Philadelphia. Um, he's still a work in progress, but he's better than everybody else. That's well, the I mean, point. They, there were eight new coaches in the National Football League this year, John. Yeah. Could 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 any of them have saved their job by saying I'm a work in progress? Well, no, no I, I, that's, that's to point. me, that's not, to me, that's not, as, if, if you just want somebody to pretend like they never make a mistake, I don't know if that's a good thing. I, I and, and, and worse is if you believe you never make a mistake, that's even worse because 
we're all human beings. I, I'm pretty sure I, I make mistakes every day. I'm pretty sure you make mistakes. I'm sure John Stolness doesn't, but that's John Stolness. I see him in the green room. I, we all make mistakes. I mean to say, I never make a mistake. I think that's worse than anything else. If yeah. you really believe that. Uh, it just came off to me as if it was him rationalizing and uh, just uh, allowing his mistakes to roll over because, hey, I'm, I'm a work in progress. <laughs> You well, we have to be he held was, accountable. He, he, he was answering a question. It's not like he went up and said, I'm making an excuse. He was asked a question when he was, and that was when he was yelling at, uh, who was it? Uh, who the heck was he yelling about? It wasn't AJ. AJ was there. DeMonte was there. Who was he yelling at? I don't even remember. Uh, it might have been Reddick uh, when he was telling him to get it back on. Oh, Reddick was coming off the field. Yeah. yeah. Um, it might have been that one. Um, that's what he was asked a question about that. It, 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 so he was answering a question, and that was his answer to the to the question. All right. Um, yeah, you and I agreed to disagree on this one. Um, I think Nick did a good job for the most part uh, in season, off season, taking bullets. Because I think you got to take bullets. If you don't, then yeah, you're just a BS artist. And I don't think he is. I think he does take responsibility for what goes wrong and maybe even responsibility shouldn't take because I'm still not 100% about the firing of Matt Patricia. I, I, I certainly moved to the, I believe it was his idea, not Howie and Jeffrey's idea, more so that he started the process, but I'm still not 100% sure. But on work in progress, no, yeah, yeah. When, when you've been in a, a, a you've been a head coach and gotten to the Super Bowl and you're in your third year and you go uh, I'm still too emotional I'm a working pro that's that's excuse making all right uh, he's McMullen I'm McDonald John Stone has been waiting patiently he of uh, bleeding green nation and the I on the end my podcast is up next here on Birds 365 go to get your game on go for the beers go for the cheers Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank.
Hi everybody, my name is Jason Lombardi. I'm an inspector at DryTech. At DryTech, we offer three major services. The first one being basement waterproofing. The second service we offer is foundation and structural repairs. And then the third service that we offer is mold remediation. If you feel you are having a waterproofing issue, give DryTech a call or check us out online. Stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV. Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. For the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. You got Mac and Mac, McMullen and McDonald here on Birds 365. Thanks for streaming in. We got Johnny Stolness from Bleeding Green Nation and his Eye on the Enemy football podcast. Uh, check it out where you get your better podcasts. John, you, you, I know you were sitting there waiting for us. Sorry for <laughs> so long to get to you. Our, our apologies. Um, we got off on a tangent. Mm-hmm. But I want to get off on a tangent with you. First things first. Mm-hmm. James Bradbury. Stay or go. Let me give you the facts. I'm sure you know them, but for our streaming okay. people, if they cut him, they take it. If they cut him, they save seven million and change in salary, but they take a nine million dollar cap hit. Mm-hmm. So it's going to cost you two million dollars. It's going to cost you nine, as a matter of fact, <laughs> but two million more above and beyond yeah. what you're supposed to pay him to just get rid of him, to run him out the door. Then you have to replace him. I'm sure they'll ask right. Bradbury to restructure and redo his deal. And if he goes, no, we just cut this deal 12 months ago. And now you want to renege? No, no, no. The deal's good by me. And then they have to make a call. Do you cut him? Do you cut James Bradbury and take a $9 million dead <sighs> cap hit just to get him off the team? We've seen him take bigger dead cap hits in the past. And when I saw, I think I was reading earlier this week that the salary cap could jump to like $250 million per yeah. team. So, I mean, there's going to be a lot of money for teams to play with here this off season. I think if you believe that Bradbury is cooked as a, as a cornerback and it sure looked for all the world this year, like he was cooked as a cornerback, you don't think he can transition to safety and you, he doesn't want to, or he doesn't want to play safety. This is a team that you have to prioritize getting the best players on the roster possible to keep that Super Bowl window open while some of the, these guys are in their prime, while you still have Devontae Smith and A.J. Brown and Goddard all on the field at the same time. You've got these two new coordinators who are coming in here expected to win right away. And Nick Sirianni really is is playing for his job here this year. So I feel like this isn't a situation. I think this is a situation where you gotta, you've got to jettison guys who you don't think can get the job done anymore, even if it means you take a cap hit that is still much less than previous cap hits that you've taken and that you've been able to work around. So yeah, I would probably say if they believe Bradbury's cooked, he can't play safety. I would probably say goodbye. Uh, All right. Let me play devil's advocate. I didn't know where Jody was going, but uh, I'll go down the Bradbury route. Um, One, they could do it post June 1st and it'd be a little bit better. I'll double check the numbers, but 
they could designate it post June first if they want to cut him. But I'm saying just for the question of keeping him or or just getting rid of him because he didn't play well last year. A, you're going to have a better defensive coordinator who, in theory, will understand how to use a zone corner a little bit better than Sean Desai, who's got a movement in the slot. He's got a movement all over. He was in for Slay when Slay was injured, moving flopping sides of the field. Um, if you stick him where he's comfortable, um, maybe it gets better, maybe not to the point he's going to be a second-team All-Pro, but you could at least say that. And he's got a history of having a bad year and coming back of having a good year. He had a bad year. Who's to not say he'll have a good year? Um, from that perspective, do you just leave it up to Vic Fangio and say, all right, I'm the sooth. I'm the sooth. <laughs> I, 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 if I think this guy can play, let's keep him. Yeah, for sure. That's Vic, a possibility. I, I do. I mean, if Vic Fangio looks at, maybe there's some stuff going on, like you mentioned with the size defense and certainly with Matt Patricia at the end of the season, it was, it was a total cluster and, and no one knew what they were doing. It's hard to really look at anybody in the last six games of the season and put a whole lot of stock in, in poor performance with the exception of effort and tackling and all that kind of stuff. But like with, with Bradbury, his problems were all season long and it just, it appeared physically he was a step slow, which was a killer for, for the Eagles back, back of the defense this year. But I get, like you said, he's had bad years. I think the season before he came to Philadelphia, one of the reasons the giants let him go was because he didn't have a particularly good season. And then he came and had a all pro type season for, for the Eagles in the super bowl season. So I don't know. You're right. I imagine they're looking at stuff. I imagine they're looking at metrics and and internal numbers that give us give a, give them a better idea of what James Bradbury is capable of. But from the eye test, it just didn't look like he had it anymore. And I don't know. I mean, Vic Fangio is a legendary defensive coordinator for a reason. He's he's put up some really good numbers with some with some defenses and stuff before. But when a player's done, a player's done. I'm not sure how much Vic Fangio can can work with there with, with Bradbury. If, if he really has lost the step that it appeared he lost. And nobody ever likes to admit to this, but it's just a fact, Jack, how you replace him is as important as the evaluation you have on him. Because if you don't have a replacement, then you might as well keep him and give it a shot. Do you think the Eagles will take a cornerback in the first round of the draft? It's certainly a possibility. It's certainly one of the things that I think that they'll do there. I, they could also try and land uh, a free agent uh, in uh, land a cornerback in the free agent market. I think it's more likely they go cornerback in free agency. Um, I, I th- it, you know, Legarius Sneed is out there, and I don't. It sounds like they're going to get. Come on, come yeah, on. and I doubt it. But you, I mean, you know, he's getting franchise tagged. Well, don't, I mean, don't, don't tease these fine Eagle fans to believing that, that Sneed is going to be available. He's well, going to I mean, be on a Chiefs. Well, what about Chris Jones? I mean, if they can't get a long-term deal done with Chris Jones, they could franchise Chris Jones instead of Snead. You know, I mean, they, they don't they only got one of those things uh, that they can hand out. So it's it's really going to depend whether or not the Chiefs can can sign Jones to an extension or whether they do that with Snead or whatever it is they decide to do. And you're right. If, if they do decide to, and they should make every effort to keep him, to keep that unbelievable secondary in place, they, they should absolutely do that. But I mean, I think you're right. There's not a whole lot of, there's not a whole lot out there that I think the Eagles are going to spend a ton of money for in, in free agency. Um, you know, Stefan Gilmore is going to be available. You know, you've got some other guys who, who could be out there, but free. Yeah. Certainly the first round of the draft is, is possible. And I, I, as badly as we want the Eagles to start investing in linebacker and in safety, they're not taking one of those guys in the first round of the draft. Like there's just, I can't, I can't imagine Howie Roseman 
doing a complete 180 like that and saying, okay, first, first round, even though it is kind of like a, a, a it's a late in the first round pick. I, I don't see a linebacker or safety first round. So yeah, it could very well be a corner for sure. Yeah, definitely the position he'll, he'll consider. And they haven't drafted a cornerback in the first round. I know everybody points to that. It's been a while, but they wanted to. They just, it hasn't worked out. So they wanted J.C. Horn. They wanted Patrick mm-hmm. Sertan. It didn't work out for him. There were people uh, speculating they would take Christian Gonzalez last year if they weren't able to get uh, Jalen Carter. Um, you know, so they've had interested They've had they've been interested in cornerbacks uh, in the first round, so it's a position they value. But to get, I, I want to, you know, because it's difficult to nail down players, and you know, Sneed's a great player, and Chris Jones, his contract makes it difficult for Kansas City to franchise him. So that's the perspective of people. Well, you can't franchise Chris Jones because you got to mm-hmm. pay him one hundred twenty-five percent. Yada yada yada. And if, if Snead isn't available, it kind of falls off the table pretty quickly yep. from a veteran standpoint. So philosophy, I want to ask you philosophy-wise, John, mm-hmm. where are you with this team in the fact that do you want a Band-Aid at corner? If, and this is saying you're done with Bradbury. You know, Steven Nelson's out there. He brings mm-hmm. it, who's played well with Houston since he left Philadelphia. But I mean, he's a Band-Aid. It's not, it's not a guy you're going to, build a foundation on where are you philosophy wise of saying you know what let's just throw Kaylee Ringo out there let's get younger let's get more speed on the field let's see where he is let's let's build that way as opposed to no we're a Super Bowl contender we gotta make (laughs) sure we have experience in place yeah, I think the latter for me. Uh, this is a this is a Super Bowl caliber team. Uh, I don't think Keely Ringo can be your starting CB two next year, especially because I think Darius Slay played pretty well this year when he when he was out there. But Darius Slay is not the lockdown cornerback that he used to be, and that's not really the type of defense the Eagles play anyway. But I like Keely Ringo. I think he I think he looked pretty good. I think entering the season with him as your starter would be akin to putting all of your chips on the Nicobe Dean front again. You know, I mean, it's just, you saw a little something that you liked in this kid. You drafted him relatively high. I mean, he wasn't a, a you know, an early, early pick, but you've invested something in him. But I, I feel like if you're going to be a Super Bowl contender right now, and again, Nick Sirianni's job is on the line here in, in 2024, then I think you got to do, I think you got to do more than Keely Ringo at, at cornerback. And there are, I think if you, if you go early in the draft, then certainly you're drafting someone in the first round to start for you. And that's, that would make sense. That would certainly go along with what Howie Roseman's philosophy has been in the past to go, you know, target cornerback, spend big money on cornerback, defensive line, offensive line. That makes sense to me. And I would feel uncomfortable with Keely Ringo as the starter, just like I was uncomfortable with Nicobe Dean, just everybody assuming he's going to be the linebacker of the, you know, that could lock down the middle of the field this year. No, and they're putting eggs right back into that Nicobe <laughs> Dean basket. I can guarantee yeah. you that. Uh, and it is a little shaky two years in, even though I'm still a fan of his talent level. Um, how about the running back position? We're, we're, we're checking off all the boxes of what the Eagles will need to address during this offseason. And running back, I certainly one of them. See, this DeAndre Swift was on just the one-year deal. Mm-hmm. Swift coming back, free agent. 
you talked about the safety and the linebacker not being a position they're going to take guy in the first round. Oh, they sure as hell aren't taking a running back in the first round. <laughs> yeah. um, did they give him more? Left uh, Kellen Moore, his experiences as a play call in other places. Um, there was actually a pretty good debate about how much he did and didn't with the percentage they ran the ball down in Dallas. How much mm-hmm. of a priority is running back for the Eagles this offseason? I think as much as it ever has been, I I expect them to approach the position kind of the way they did last year when they brought in Rashad Penny right at the start of the offseason and then he never saw the field, which is one of the one of the unanswered questions of of the season, you know, why they liked him so much early in free agency and why they soured on him uh, in practices and, and, and training camp. Um, I, I mean, is that a I think- question though, John? Because I had this with Mike Gill. I talked because Mike's a big Rashad Penny fan as well, and I'm like, doesn't the contract and what the Eagles did? I mean, they didn't give him any money from a standpoint of a contract, and they didn't play him. So, doesn't that answer the question of, oh, they thought he had nothing left? I mean, that's I, kind I, of how I look at it. I, I think it was the fact that they targeted him so early in the offseason they made him i think he was he might have been their first free agent that they signed in the in the offseason clearly knowing that miles sanders was going to be leaving bringing rashad penny and he was they talked him up all summer as being part of the plan like this three-headed running back with kenny gainwell and uh and 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 deandre swift and and then you have uh and penny in the mix there they were talking that up a lot during the offseason that wasn't something we as fans made up out of out of whole cloth so i just that's why, and it was never really an explanation why he was being, I mean, why didn't you just cut him then? Like, cause he just, he never saw the field. He that, just kept, that, you, that's more interesting that, 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 that is a legitimate because you're right. They signed him early, but they signed him to a one year deal for, I had to look it up. 1.35 million was 600,000 guaranteed. I mean, yeah. that's like nothing. Uh, but we kept we kept hearing he led the league in average per per carry when he was healthy and you know if he can be healthy he's going to be this he can be this uh, this this yards per carry monster guy and well, then I think just, that was the hope yeah yeah uh, the hope was that he had something left and my assumption is all right they got him and they said oh, he's got nothing left I, now yes. as to your question of why they kept him the whole year that part to me is more interesting because they could have moved on with very little you know, hurt from a a financial perspective. And, you know, maybe it was like break glass in case of emergency. Well, Mm -hmm. if Swift gets hurt, because Swift had a history of getting hurt. Yeah. um, Kenny Gainwell is not, you know, a guy who's going to handle 250 carries or 250 touches. Um, Boston Scott's Boston Scott. He's more of a glue guy. You know, just a Blake break class in case of emergency. But I, I think the contract tells you all right, it was a more of a lottery ticket than a plan, you know, than, than a piece, a, a, a part of the plan is what I'm trying to say. I guess so. I think that DeAndre Swift's performance, especially early in the season, was kind of a surprise as to how effective he was running the football. I, I don't think the Eagles entered the 23 season thinking that Swift was going to be as productive for them as they thought he was going to be, which is why I feel like they were they were really counting on Penny and Swift and uh, Gainwell to be this three-headed monster. And when it, it was certainly appeared starting in week two that Swift had some juice to him. You know, he had that, he, he certainly looked like he was a, a perfect fit for the offense and what they were trying to do. Uh, 
that negated the need to have Penny on the field quite a bit. They still used Gainwell more than they should have early in the season as well. But I, I think with the running back situation, they just kind of throw a lot of stuff out there and 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 see what works. And I think that's going to kind of be the approach this offseason. I think I would love to see them bring back uh, DeAndre Swift. I thought he played really well. I thought he fit what the offense wanted to do. I think he'd be a good fit for what Kellen Moore wants to do. Swift is a decent receiver out of the backfield. The Eagles have not utilized running backs as receivers out of the backfield really at all over the last two years. They've just been focusing so much on on Brown and, and Devontae that I think there's an opportunity there for a, a running back that has that skill set to flourish in, in Philadelphia. But if DeAndre Swift is going to get Miles Sanders money out there, I just don't think the Eagles are going to pay it. I, I don't think they're going to go out there and do that. And so I think that's where you see a day two running back pick, possibly a third round running back uh, as a, as somebody who can work with Gainwell, And then maybe they sign some other lower tier free agent, you know, maybe, you know, like a JK Dobbins is out there, you know, you get him on a, on a cheap kind of one year deal or something like that. But it just kind of really depends what the market for Swift is out there. Cause he has to battle with Saquon Barkley, Josh Jacobs, Derek yep. Henry, Tony yep. Pollard, Austin Eckler. If teams want a he's running down back, the list, yeah, he, he's, he's down, down the, the list, list. So he may have to come back to Philadelphia on a one-year deal. Yeah, um, I would say down the list. Wouldn't say way down the list. I think he's pretty comparable with those guys. But I think we all agree, if if the Eagles get to set the bar on what they want to pay a running back, Swift is probably going to be above that. So they're going to have to extend to bring DeAndre Swift back. That would just be my reading. We got a long time to go before we get there. All right. Uh, we were talking about Nick Sirianni before he came on. Is he too emotional? Is this something that he can't change? Or is it all going to be okay because Big Dom's back on the side? Big Dom's back. And he'll, That's he'll keep Sirianni in check. Sirianni's kind of... Oh, does anybody big, think Big Dom is the reason they lost games? No. I love Dom. I mean, people really believe what? this. No, well, Here's the question. Does Derek Gunn believe it? He, he, no, Derek didn't say that. He didn't say that. He said, well, you know, he basically said he lost his get-back coach, basically. You know, I think it seemed to me D-Gun was intimating that Sirianni's emotions became got out of control when he didn't have his babysitter there on the yeah, sideline help guess, keep him in yeah. check. That's, that's how fair. I that's kind of how I read that. And and that the loss of Big Dom down the stretch mattered more than we think it may have. I think the whole the whole big Dom story from the beginning was too much. It was just enough already. It just stop with with the big Dom. You're you're in your third year as an NFL head coach. You've been to a Super Bowl. You have got to be able to control yourself. I'm sorry. I I, I I'm, and I, I like that Nick Sirianni can look within himself and say there are things about myself we need to change, and that's great. In 2024, if he's managing his emotions better, then he will have learned something from the 2023 season, and all this all this will be part of his development as a head coach. He's a young head coach. He was inexperienced when he got the job. I, I think it's really interesting. You have seen in Nick Sirianni's three seasons three very different Eagles teams different results and different approaches by both him and the quarterback you had in 2021 where he was taking this young group that no one was expecting anything of. They got off to this slow start. He demoted himself, took himself, took the play calling away from himself, seemed to really be able to rally the team around some kind of goofy speeches that we chuckled at, but the team really got behind and he was able to get the most out of that group. And it seemed like his emotional intelligence 
was sky high after that season because of the way he was able to get themselves up off the mat. 2022, everything went right, and both he and Jalen Hurts handled it beautifully. Now, it's easier to lead when everything is going your way, when all the breaks are falling your way, when when you're playing second- and third-tier quarterbacks and, and you're getting a lot of luck to go along with the roster that you had. So there's he, he rode that beautifully i think he got over his skis a little bit in the super bowl i still remember you know jalen hurts having to push his arms down when he was calling the chiefs back he that's when you could start to see i think sirianni's arrogance starting to get a little bit ahead of himself and then they came into 2023 and i am convinced that he had the pressure ratcheted up so high on everyone to get back to the super bowl that it just was like a it it was like a uh you know, a steam pot getting ready with the lid, getting yeah, ready. Yeah, I'm to, with to, you to there. The expectations, man. That's what I think derailed this team. Uh, that's yeah. from my perspective. I, and I think him and the quarterback both had expectations so high that it made it a completely unpleasant and untenable atmosphere in that locker room. So that, you know, the most miserable 10 and one team, when the most miserable 10 and one team did get blown out by the 49ers, it all came crashing down. And you have got to, as a leader, know how to adjust to the circumstances around you. This is what's driving me crazy about the Nick Sirianni talk and what's driving me crazy about the Jalen Hurts talk. People saying, well, you, how can you be critical of Jalen Hurts' stoicism when it worked out so well in 2022 and not in 2023? Because if you're going to be a leader of people, you have to know how to read the room and adjust. No, sometimes you have to be a little bit of a different person in order to get the most out of your teammates. If that is what is required of you and your position, whether it's on the football team, in a boardroom, in a newsroom, whatever it might happen to be, sometimes you have to adjust yourself and your personality to meet the needs of the people you're leading. And so I think that was a learning experience for Jalen Hurts this, this year and for Nick Sirianni to understand, read the room. What's happening right here? What does this team need? I thought Sirianni did a great job with that in 21. He did not do a great job of that in 2023 when things started to fall apart. Yeah, John, I'm going to give Zach Berman a little hat tip. Zach will love this because uh, he loves this uh, saying, be the thermostat, not yeah. the thermometer. So <laughs> yeah, sometimes it takes different. You have to adjust the setting um, depending on what you have on a particular year, particular team. Um, well, there's a lot of stuff. We talked about Jalen Hurts. We talked about Nick Sirianni. A.J. Brown took a shot at you, John Stolness. He took a shot at all of us. Um, he said, Philly media is so lame. It's literally something every day. Then the fans be believe the BS, the bullshit. They really should start raising prices of microphones and cameras because you people will say anything for views. I see why nobody likes us because we don't even like us. Speaking (laughs) about Philadelphia, your thoughts on AJ Brown throwing us all in the same pots. Craig Carton, by the way, isn't even a Philly media member anymore. Yeah. Um, just your overriding thoughts. I, I think, yeah, don't don't lump us in with with Craig Carton. We're not we're 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 not doing that. He's he's not he's not here. But I, I will say that in the course of finding things to discuss and to talk about, that I think sometimes Philly media, uh, sports talk radio, podcast, you know, we, we can kind of we can we can kind of uh, read too much into situations. I think the 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 thing is we're all searching for answers for things, right? We're searching for answers when a team does well. 
We're searching for answers and for reasons when a team underachieves and does poorly. Um, the players and the coaching staff, they do not have to tell us any more than they want to tell us. But we do care about these teams probably more than is healthy. And I'll just I'll lay that out there. We we probably do take our sports seriously to a point where maybe if there's there's it's, that, it, there's it, no probably you can take out the problem. Yeah, I mean, we we care a little too much about sports at times, and and we we make it really personal for us. And so I think AJ Brown is 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 seeing that and not really understanding that as far as and I think you you see this in New York, you see this in Boston, you see this especially in the Northeast. No, in Tennessee, you probably don't see it like this folks in Nashville, they don't get as wrapped around the axle about their football teams. Cause they've only had their football team for like 20 some odd years. The Philadelphia sports teams have been around for generations and for generations, there was losing season after losing season. How many heartbreaks have we had during the course of our lives with these teams? And so every time a team gets close, like this Eagles team got close in 2022 and just fell a little bit short. And then you had a season like last year. People want to know why, what happened? Why weren't you able to, to get over the mountain? Uh, what can we do to fix it? What can we do to make sure we get over the mountain? Not understanding, of course, there's no quick fix in sports and there isn't a secret formula to winning the world series or the super bowl or the NBA title. So I get for a player why it can be frustrating because you had, according to, you know, from a player's perspective, who wasn't raised here, you went to the Super Bowl the year before, and you had a down year this year. What's the big deal? For Philadelphia sports fans, it's not just about this year and last year. It's about the 30 to 40 seasons we've experienced before that, and it all gets lumped together, and we're searching for answers where there really aren't any answers for us to find, so sometimes we fill in the gaps and make them up. All right, for our own edification, own purpose, own now, we don't know yet. John, I'm assuming you're assuming that Nick Sirianni and, well, maybe Sirianni's week. You, you're assuming Howie Roseman's going to the combine next week, right? Oh, they're going. Yeah, I should have mentioned that. They're Tuesday. They're speaking Tuesday afternoon. 1.30 uh, is Howie scheduled. 1.45, Nick Sirianni scheduled. Could be, that's you know, that's good to know. Good to hear. John also told me before the show started, there are upwards of 10 teams that aren't going to make their coach available and or their general manager at the combine because they're not going. Mm. How well, can 12, you... 12 coaches, six GMs are not speaking okay. as scheduled. So how oh, we'll just talk about the six uh, general managers who have no one there. The six teams who are going to have no one there. No coach, no general manager. I think it's a travesty if you don't have either one of them there, but more so the general manager, and that's why more general managers would be there. How do you justify that to your fan base? How do you go, yeah, we got more important things to do around the office this <laughs> week than actually go and watch and meet with and get a feel for potential draft picks? How does an organization justify that, uh, certainly to their fan base and even to themselves, to their owner? How do they explain to their owner? We didn't want to put you out the 250 bucks for the flight or the 125 a night for the hotel in Indianapolis? How do you do that if you're an NFL franchise? I mean, that's it's got to be sanctioned by the owner, right? I mean, I would imagine that the if the if the owner wanted his his guys to go to the combine, 
they're going to the combine. So I don't, I, I, it's, you must have a lot of trust in your player personnel, your, your draft scouting guys, you know, that to, to go ahead and be your eyes and ears there, but you're right. I can't imagine what else is happening on the home front that you would, that you would choose to, to not go to really one of the marquee off season events on the NFL calendar. I mean, this is, it's not just where you go to see, you know, who's doing which, which guys you might draft. It's where GMs get together to talk trade. It's where they get together to, you know, talk with prospective free agents. I mean, this is, it's kind of like baseball's winter meetings in, in a lot mm-hmm. of ways, you know, you, yeah. you, you, there's a lot of networking that goes on there and I've never attended one, but this is everything you, you, you read about and see like the, a lot of deals are talked about are done relationships are made at the scouting combine. So it's not just a matter of like a GM, like Howie Roseman looking at the cornerbacks running the shuttle drills and, and figuring out which one he might want to take in, in round number two, there's a whole lot. And I would be, I would be up in arms if, if Howie Roseman and the coaching staff wasn't going to the, to the scouting combine, there better be a really good reason for that. If, if, if they decided not to do that. Yeah, they're going. Here's the coaches. I did the coaches because I got the schedule right before the show. So the GMs are more important because I think John's right. I think, you know, the bigger part is the stuff behind the scenes, uh, laying foundations for contract extensions, potential trades, tampering before you can tamper. Um, All that stuff happens at the Combine. Um, In in division, Mike McCarthy's not going to be there. Brian Dayball's not going to be there. Uh, Matt LaFleur from the Packers, Kyle Shanahan, long season, blah, blah. Sean McVay, he's the one who started this from the Rams. I assume Les Snead's not going to be there. Mike McDonald, uh, rookie coach of the Seahawks, Dennis Allen, Saints, Jody Sky, Robert Salas, not going to be there. Sure, you're thrilled with that. Uh, Gerard mm-hmm. Mayo, another rookie coach, Patriots. Mike Tomlin, been around forever is not going to be there chargers jim harbaugh is not going to be there raiders antonio pierce those are the coaches that are not speaking there's six gms that to me is a bigger deal because of what you just said john um yeah it's weird now you know ever since the pandemic we have this zoom as we're doing right now Streamyard type society they have the in-house feed. Sean McVay's talked about it at length. Thinks he can his staff can get more done at home. Just happens to be home, has really nice weather. <laughs> I think that might have something to do with it. Um, I don't know. It's just, just the way we're going in sports. Is it, you know, the Eagles, to their credit, and I gave them a hat tip, you know, typically I would say maybe they take advantage of this groundswell and shut people down but they aren't so i give them a i give them credit for that but are we heading down this path and it's just going to be this way moving forward more and more uh you know what it might be a cycle but i i do believe some you know if it, if it does seem to be like a trend that that trend will probably reverse at at some point i mean i don't know i think you're going to get diminishing returns if you if you do it this way if you have your you're scouting guys watching all of the uh, draft picks and talking all the draft picks there and then getting on a zoom and and doing it that way you know updating the gm and the coaching staff on what they found and you know you're trying to arrange things over zoom i mean anybody who has who has tried to arrange interviews and and done job interviews and stuff like that online it's it's very different and you have a different feel when you're remote and you don't 
get to that interaction with uh, a player or another GM or anything. So, you know, it doesn't, I, I get it. Maybe we're just, maybe I'm old school. Maybe we're all old school. Maybe we don't, maybe you don't need the face to face anymore, but I, I think there's still a lot of value in that. Andy Reid going to show up. Yeah. Andy, Andy's there? not oh, on that okay. list. He yeah. somehow, he somehow has won two straight Super Bowls. So why would you want to do what Andy <laughs> Reid does? He's only uh, painting himself as one of the, Hall of Fame coaches, great. Well, when you win, you want to go. You want to be lauded. Right. <laughs> you want to see your subjects. You want to be. You want to get all the uh, congrats and hey, you're great. And Andy is great. So I was going to say, yeah. you really going to lay that at Andy? No, I'm, I'm just saying. But if you win, I think you want to show up. That's yeah. all I'm saying. I think Andy wants to show up because he wants the team to be good again next year, more so than any Hosanna he's going to get from any of his counterparts. On it. That's just my read of Andy Reid, the person, rather than, hey, I'm showing up so I can get patted on my big fat back. No, I don't <laughs> think that's Andy Reid. Um, all right, so with the fact that uh, it, the, the Eagles coach is going to be there with Howie Roseman, they made the decision to keep Nick Sirianni this year when it was – teetering on the fence as to whether he was going to stay or not. Let me give you a hypothetical. You know, I love my hypotheticals, right? Oh, yeah. um, let's say there's something to Craig Carton's report. And I'm, okay. I'm saying ahead of time, I don't believe that. I believe he's... By the way, it's not a report, but uh, go ahead. That, I wanna, uh, that's thank you for the correction, yeah. John. You're right. It's just <laughs> him spitballing. And can yeah. I use the phrase spitballing? Because sure. you're it's right. Appropriate. It's not, not quite a report, um, but there's something to it, and it sticks, and we find out what it is, and it's something that concerns the coach and him and his control and whatever. It's just something that when the story breaks, we go, oh, shoot, now I see what Cart was talking about, and that's to do with the coach. Can they double back? Can they go, yeah, we need to move on from the coach now? And if they do, which of the two coordinators do you think they would elevate head coach? Or do you think they'd, well, after everyone has signed and gotten a job and gotten a gig, go back out and try and find a new coach? If for some reason Nick Sirianni had to be let go before the season starts. Well, if some if something were to come down where they had to let uh, let uh, Nick Sirianni go, I that would be amazing. I mean, that, that news would be earth shattering at this point. Because, yeah. I'm, just, I, I'm saying it's yeah. highly <laughs> unlikely. Yeah. percent yeah. chance it happens. What would the Eagles do? I don't think you can get a new coach head coach from the outside at this point in the off season. And my guess is Kellen Moore would probably get elevated to head coach. He's, you know, been rumored to be a head coaching candidate in the past. Um, you know, it's, it's, kind of surprised i think it's surprising that he he hasn't had a head coaching job yes right i mean he hasn't been a head coach yet i'm, I'm no. not forgetting something right now kellen no. kellen yeah. Morton. now he's got he was rumored with he, the eagles included yes right right because he was a hot commodity um after a couple of those seasons in dallas and so yeah i think i think the natural evolution would be to make kellen Moore the the head coach he continues to call plays he continues to run the offense and and you probably elevate some of the guys that he's bringing in or you bring in somebody from the outside who can help kellen moore run his offense but i i don't think you can call bill belichick at that point and say hey you know are you interested in returning to the sideline in in 2024 um i don't think at that point mike vrabel is a guy you call to at the last minute come on in here and and try and right the ship i, I think uh I, I think you'd probably i mean the only guy that would make sense is belichick 
because obviously there would have been so much turmoil in the organization that you had to make a move like this that you would want to bring in something from the outside that has a ton of experience as a head coach running a locker room and can and can get a put a lid on things now Belichick was not always the easiest guy to play for. It doesn't seem like it doesn't seem like many people really enjoyed playing for him. So that might not be the elixir if that were to happen. But uh, I think at the, I think the most likely scenario would be Kellen Moore becomes your head coach. Uh, I agree with that. At John Stolness, uh, make sure you follow John on X. Uh, it's baseball season too. So it does yeah. a tremendous job uh, covering the Phillies. You got, uh, hitting season, uh, uh, Eagles pod is eye on the enemy. So you can listen to John on both avenues and hopefully the Phillies get you through the summer. Uh, uh, look like a legitimate contender again. So mm-hmm. we'll see how that shakes out. Um, my last question is about the coaching staff, which I think is going to be announced pretty soon, maybe even over the next couple of days before Howie and Nick talk out in Indianapolis uh, would be my guess, just speculation, but that would be my guess. Um, It's looking at least like there's going to be more people on the offensive step kept than I thought was going to be kept. And I think Kevin Petullo is obviously going to be back. Aaron Moorhead's going to be back. Um, I think uh, Jamal Singleton might be back. I think Jason Michael might be back. Is that a good thing or bad thing from your perspective? Because it seems like maybe Nick Sirianni does have a little bit of power left and they haven't usurped everything or is that straddling the fence a bad thing? I think that, I don't think it's straddling the fence. I think if you're going to keep Nick Sirianni as the head coach and not totally turn things over to Kellen Moore, you got to give him some people that he's comfortable with, some people that he trusts. You've, you've got to have a little bit, because, I mean, remember, the offense, it was not like the defense. There were things about the Eagles' oh, offense yeah. under Nick Sirianni that worked. It just, it needed freshening up. It needs a new voice. It needs a new play caller. With that, That's perfectly clear. But I think you do need some of the remnants. You don't want, you know, you you need to have some comfort level with the players and some guys from maybe the old coaching staff that they did still trust and and did still like. We don't know which members of the coaching staff, the players, they would never come out and tell us which guys they lost faith in and which guys they still did have faith in. But I don't think you're straddling the fence there. I think it's necessary that if you're going to keep the head coach, you can't wipe out his offensive coaching staff and bring in a whole new group of guys so that Nick is the only guy in the room who doesn't know anybody. So I think I think there's there's got to be. Can you imagine that you're just kind of sitting yeah, in the corner, yeah. like when do I get to talk? Yeah. You know, that's. So I think that's good that there is some there's some remnants of the of of his offensive coaching staff staying in place with the new guys coming in. I, I think that's the best way to move it. All right, since John went there, I'm going to follow up. Under over at bats for Whit Merrifield this year, hmm. 350. <laughs> Are you going under or over? That's a good number. Um, I think, I hope it's under, because if it's Correct. over that, that means something has gone wrong with Johan Rojas or right. Brandon oh, Marsh yeah. or Bryson Stott. So I'll say under because I have confidence in Marsh and I have confidence in Stott. And I do believe that Johan Rojas has enough defensive ability in center field so that even if he's a 260 hitter, that's 
perfectly fine. That's perfectly fine for, for the nine hole spot in this lineup. So I'll say that this Whitmerryfield, I'll say under 350 for Whitmerryfield. Smart minds think alike. That's exactly what I said on WIP the other night. Uh, appreciate it, Johnny. Yes, and we like having Stolas on because it's nice every once in a while I'll have someone on who actually needs to have his hair styled, unlike most of yeah. the two hosts and most of our guests. Yeah, uh, Coach, it comb doesn't touch this. You can't do anything. It just <laughs> shave it all back. Be, be, better, better than Matt. Yeah, yeah. Can, I'd love that. I'd love to have those problems, John. <laughs> exactly, Johnny. Yes, Fair always enough. a pleasure, bud. We'll get you back up in a couple of weeks. Thanks for jumping in today. Sounds good. Thanks, guys. John Stolness, Bleeding Green Nation, Eye on the Enemy Football uh, Podcast, and Hidden Season. Uh, for baseball is a good baseball writer too. Uh, thank you for bringing that up, John, so I could sneak in a baseball question. All right, he's McMullen. I'm McDonald. Uh, speaking of bald, Ed Kratz is going to join us coming yeah. up in. About I feel more minutes. comfortable with Ed. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we love Kratz. Uh, Eddie K, special K, special Ed. You can call him whatever you want. Uh, he'll be with us in 15 minutes here on Birds 365. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Hi everybody, my name is Jason Lombardi. I'm an inspector at DryTech. At DryTech we offer three major services. The first one being basement waterproofing. The second service we offer is foundation and structural repairs. And then the third service that we offer is mold remediation. If you feel you are having a waterproofing issue, give DryTech a call or check us out online.
Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. For the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. John McMullen, Jenna McDonald here with you on Birds 365. Easy Ed Kratz going to join us coming up in uh, less than 15 minutes from now. All right. Uh, let, let me expand on the hypothetical that I threw out to uh, Johnny Stoneless earlier about the Eagles. And, uh, with with Merrifield? No. No, 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 no. About the uh, Eagles coaching position. Uh, let me take it a step further. Let's say, because I know I just threw it, Nick Sirianni did something that got him fired, which is uh, almost a 0% possibility, but let, let's tap into that 0. 0.01. Let's say he's, oh, I don't know, playing tennis over in Haddonfield. And someone comes by with a New York Giants hat on. And he decides, he realizes it's the Eagles head coach out there and he can get under his skin a little bit. So he starts to heckle him. And Nick Sirianni goes over and he beats the guy into submission. He just loses his head. He doesn't have Big Dom with him playing tennis in Haddonfield. So he loses it and he beats this guy into a coma because he's still a work in progress with his emotions. Uh, and uh, you're going, this is quite the hypothetical. Jerry. Yeah, it is. Come on. Uh, we're, we're working hard on it. Um, yeah. so yeah, that poor guy's and he's going to jail. He's, he's going in to a jail. coma. Yeah. That, that would be a reason to, uh, no longer allow him to coach the team that, yeah, yeah you don't have to worry that. about it. You don't have to worry about that. The decision is made for you. Yeah, exactly. Um, but no, oh, that's the first decision. The, there, there are two decisions necessary. Number one is, is he fired? Yes, of course he's in jail. Number two, who do you replace him with? Uh, I'll take the hypothetical another uh, step. Let's say, and again, borrowing from reality, let's say the owner of the Colts had a little too much to drink. And then <laughs> that's, they, that, that's not a stretch of a hypothetical. Well, by the way. Ne- neither is Nick getting into a fight with a guy on a tennis court who's wearing a giant hat. I, I take from reality. I expand, but I start with reality with my hypotheticals, John. Uh, the owner of the cults has had a little too much to drink. And for whatever reason, in a inebriated stupor, he offers to trade the Eagles Shane Steichen for a day three draft pick. So your options are elevate Kellen Moore or Vic Fangio, reach out for a Bill Belichick, or actually have to give up draft capital to bring Shane Steichen home. What would Howie Roseman do, Johnny Mac? Well, that's so, I mean, that's so out of there. It's never going to happen. But obviously they would like Shane back in that circumstance. You know, and by the way, I don't know if that's necessarily a good thing. Um, You know, people get so enamored with, and understand that they reached the Super Bowl. They always want to go back to, they still want Frank Reich back. I, I mean, I'm not asking about Frank. I'm asking you about Shane Steichen. Well, because he was here, I I, I think people would want Shane Steichen back. I don't I care think what anybody else thinks. If I want to know if, what uh, McMullen thinks. So we're talking in season? No, we're talking the next couple of weeks. 
Oh, next couple of weeks. Yeah, before the season ever gets yeah, underway. I, I would take Shane back next couple of weeks. Um, I thought you meant in season. No, like no, Nick, no, 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 no. Like no, if no. Nick had to get replaced in season, I thought that's what we were talking about. And then I agree with John. You go with Kellen Moore. You know, the head, the, the guy, the owner of the team would rather have the offensive guy. So that's from my perspective, the way they would go, even though Bick has experience as a head coach um i think they would go kellen moore um if it were off season yeah i shane did a very good job here and they think he did a very good job and then when he get back here uh then he start having his own issues because the players aren't perfect uh all right so let, let me let me set the uh transaction third round draft pick Oh no, not a premium pick. I'm sorry, I forgot the pick. premium. Yeah, day three pick. Like you know me. I don't so four is a yes, three's a no. Yeah. No, I, I'm. You, you know. I give you this much credit, John. You are consistent with that. The yeah. difference between a third and a fourth round draft pick in the Eagles' eyes and in John McMullen's eyes is a hard and fast line that you really do think that's yeah, a big difference. Uh, between and the and there's no, you know, there's, there's very, and I get what you're saying. Kelly Ringo, they traded up the first pick in the fourth round last year versus the last pick in the third round. There's not a big difference logically, but yeah, I, I, I don't give up. Uh, they, I, I don't give up premium picks. Day three picks. Yeah. Yeah. You know. I, I'm not as enamored with them as much as certain NFL teams are. Uh, I'll put it that way. All right. Uh, let, let me give you one more spin on it. Um, a seventh round pick. Uh, not fourth, not fifth, not sixth. Seventh round. All no, you can costs, have those. I'm giving those away. All it costs is a seventh round I'm pick. Those away. But Ursay says, listen, I'm not going to do this to the guy unless he really wants to go back to Philadelphia. We had a conversation. He loved his time with the Eagles. A and I had this conversation. And he told me, yeah, if he was allowed to control his coaching staff, then he would want to go back to the Eagles. He saw what happened to Nick this past year, and they just came in and kind of cut his legs out from underneath him. And Nick and Shane were like this. So uh, Nick would want to come back to coach the Eagles, but you're going to have to promise him he gets to hire his own coaching staff and you're, he gets a three-year window where he gets to make all the decisions on the coaching staffs. You think the Eagles buy that? Would they be that desperate to get Shane Steichen no, back? They, no, 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 not at all. Not at all. And by the way, I don't think there's a coach. I, I think that's one of the under-reported things. I don't think there's a coach in the NFL who hasn't gotten help hiring an assistant at some point during their tenure. Um, in other words, you know, in some ways I think it's a little overblown because as I said, Howie generally collects the candidates and then Nick has made the decision um, to this point um, when, when the Eagles are hiring assistants, uh, when Nick doesn't have a guy when Nick didn't have a guy. Now things have changed. Now they've changed the landscape going back to Doug, you know, when there's a hardened, you know, line drawn in the sand where you can't have this, you can't have this guy. Um, that hasn't been the case until right now. 
at least we think, with Nick Sirianni. Um, I don't think he would have fired Brian Johnson, but maybe he would have. I'm not 100% on that. Um, I'm 100%. Doug did want to fire Mike Rowe or, uh, you know, he wanted Press Taylor, he wanted Matt Burke, he wanted Corey Unlin, uh, and he wasn't allowed to do that. I don't know if we're at that point yet. We might be at that point with Brian Johnson. Um, you know, with Sean Desai, you know, who knows how early the Eagles knew Vic was coming. You know, I, I started thinking about that when because I can't figure out the eight and one thing. Like he's starting to think about did he know at eight and one Vic was coming next year, next season? Um Maybe. I hadn't even thought about that. You tell me just how like he it. was tampering uh, to a under-contract coach of the Miami Dolphins? Hey, look what happened. Gannon got out the door. You, we, we talked about it. You said you wanted to be our corner. We said you wanted to be our corner. Then you kind of uh, you know, look this out is, the side door on us. Let's revisit a, this. You think that conversation happened? There's, there's a, These conversations happen all the time. There's a big, There's a big difference between calling up somebody as a friend and talking about whoa, stuff. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hold on. Wasn't Jonathan Gannon friends with the new general manager of the Arizona Cardinals? Yeah, that's why he got the interview. Okay. Well, Did the Eagles get you know, draft compensation because they tampered? Well, no, they broke a rule. Yes, they got they got draft compensation because they tampered. They broke a, a, a tangible What rule did they rule. break? You are allowed to interview in the time between the Super well, Bowl. No, it wasn't an interview. It was a call between friends. They now, were friends. In, in the time between the NFC Championship again and the Super Bowl, you're allowed contact, contact with any coach you had a first interview with. If you didn't have – in other words, you can do second uh, contact, second interviews. You can't do first. You can't contact people. If you didn't interview now, the problem with that is now we're re-legislating this. It drives me insane. The problem is Arizona hired Monty Ozenport, who is close to Jonathan Gannon, not like best friends or anything, but he thought highly of him. Um, um, and he got the job in Arizona very late. So he didn't get the opportunity to get that first interview out of the way. And after the NFC Championship game, and make no mistake, Jonathan Gannon thought he was coming back. The Eagles were going to make him one of the highest-paid coordinators in the NFL. Maybe not Vic Fangio, but Jeffrey Lurie was on record with that. Everybody thought he was coming back. And then Monty Ozenford called him to congratulate him and said, oh, by the way, um, would you be interested after the Super Bowl um, to interview for the Cardinals job. You're not allowed to do that. They, you're not allowed to do that. Now, whether it was self-reported, as Monty Ozenfort said, I don't know. He made a mistake as a rookie GM. That's the way he tried to portray it. That I can't possibly know. But Jonathan Gannon thought he was coming back. Vic Fangio took the job in Miami. And, and there was a lot of speculation, a lot of back and forth about, you know, the timing and how it could have been different. Well, I just point to Albert Breer had the contract on February 4th, highest paid um, a coordinator in NFL history. So the timing didn't work out. 
but the Cardinals broke a rule. If, if, if Vic Fangio, who's friends with everybody in the building, says, you know what, I'm not happy down here, uh, I'm probably not going to be here, and the Eagles don't formally negotiate, don't formally do anything, that's just, now that's two friends having a call, but they could have been well aware, they could have been well aware that Vic Fangio was coming, was going to be available, and if he was going to be available, they know who they were going to hire. So if you want to call that tampering, call that tampering. But, and I will say, the Dolphins don't care. The Dolphins were thrilled to get it off their books. So it doesn't matter. If the other side doesn't care, the Eagles, because of John Ferrari, had tip to John Ferrari, know to take advantage, went outside the margins. If you can get some draft capital, why not get some draft capital? Because the rookie GM made a mistake. It was nothing more than that. Right, I hope you, we can you, close the book on that. Uh, maybe, but if well, let, let's get Pratt's up here. I'll ask him an honest question. I look him right in the eye here on the stream and ask him a question if he thinks that there was any tampering between the Dolphins and the Eagles. No, um, not well, certainly not between the Dolphins and the Eagles. Right, uh, between the Eagles and Fangio over the Dolphins. Um, where the Dolphins hurt by the potential conversation to have, because you want to talk about timing. How long after the Dolphins were limited was uh, before we found out that Fangio was going to be here? Had the game been over twenty minutes by the time the rumors started that he was? Well, we were at we were at the Eagles um, post. Uh... Uh, postseason press conference, I think it was. Can we bring that up? Yeah, let's not go to a break, Xander. We'll get two breaks in. Um, I think we're at the postseason press conference uh, when it came through that Vic was going to leave the Dolphins. And at that point, everybody there knew who the Eagles' next defensive coordinator was. And Nick had to answer the question in the press conference. Is is it was the postseason press conference, wasn't it? When it happened, Ed, uh, when uh, Vic Fangio it, it, it left the Dolphins during that press conference. Yeah, it was late in the press conference that when the story broke that Fangio was uh, leaving the Dolphins, and Nick was asked about it, and you know he said we have other good candidates we're yeah. looking at, and I think they had just interviewed uh, Ron Rivera. Uh, yeah, well, well, it was interesting from my perspective. It was interesting that the Eagles quickly got the Rooney Rule candidates out of the way. So when Vic left, um, yeah, all avenues were open, and it was quickly. There was no more leaks of interviews. It was Vic Bangio's job. I mean, I don't care. The Dolphins don't care. And we have a good buddy who who covers the Dolphins and uh, uh, for Sports Illustrated our buddy Alan Pupar. Um, yeah, I mean, they didn't care. So is it tampering? If the tree falls in the forest and no one hears it, is it tampering if the Dolphins don't care? Well, the Dolphins moved on from him, right? I mean, yeah. they put out a statement. I mean, it's not like the Jonathan Gannon situation with the Cardinals where the Eagles won again and back. And, yeah. um, you know, he had already begun the process of interviewing for the head coaching job. Now, you know, the Eagles wanted to hire Fangio and, you know, last year, and then it just didn't, the timing wasn't right. So, you know, I think it was pretty obvious when they let him go that he was going to be the guy, but yeah. it's not like the Eagles said, Hey, you know, come join us, leave the Dolphins. It was the Dolphins who said goodbye to Fangio first. 
Well, it, and you believe what, that? What, you believe the Dolphins were going to fire him? Well, I mean, the statement they put out certainly seemed like they weren't happy with what uh, you know the job that he did, and some of the players weren't happy with it. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I guess yeah, I, I that, that that didn't come out to the player. None of the players uh, were on record until Fangio was announced as the Eagles' new coordinator. Then uh, they came out of the woodwork like rats on a sinking ship. Oh, he's a pain in the He's terrible. Uh, Drew Rosenhaus. There's a whole bunch of guys that didn't like playing for Where was Drew Rosenhaus saying that before uh, Fangio was announced as the new defensive coordinator of the Eagles? Well, that's usually the way it works. I mean, look, look at when Chip Kelly left. Nobody had anything really bad to say about him on the record, Chip Kelly. Was here, but yeah. then when he got fired, then everybody came out of the yeah. woodwork. Yeah, that's how, that is the way it works. That, so that part, but what I brought up, and by the way, this is pure speculation. I'm not saying this has happened, but when when I found out that the Eagles were considering demoting Sean Desai, they didn't fire him; they demoted him. When they were eight and one, it just it it just made no sense to me. It it just like why would that even enter your mind? And I didn't even think about it, and I didn't even think about it, and I didn't even think about it. And and then I said, you know what? Maybe Vic let him know that he was going to be available. Maybe, maybe. Yeah, I, I, I love the way you say that. Which makes more sense? Howie calling Vic or Vic calling Howie? Vic. Vic calling Howie. Really? Yeah. He's why in the would... midst of coaching a season for the Miami Dolphins, who are trying to be playoff or at that point, certainly – they might have been leading the NFCs because Buffalo had the falter in the middle of the season. He's calling Howie because they're eight and one and going, well, you know, I watch your game. This Fangio guy, I know he worked under me, but he's not really doing all that great a job. You and I should talk at the end of the season. You, you think that's more logical than Howie calling him? Look, I, I think you're making out way bigger than it was. These guys are friends. They're all friends. Uh, Fangio's friends with everybody in the building. He's friends with Sirianni. He's friends with Howie. Right, now, friends gonna, with now, I gotta, now I got to question that. When did? How much time was Fangio under contract? Handshake agreement, two whatever weeks. you want to call it. How long was he actually in the building? Two two weeks he, he was in oh the building. Oh, my God. My best friends in the world I've known for two weeks. Now, he was a, he was a friend of the program, as I'd like to say it. He was at training camp a bunch uh, that entire summer. He stayed a friend of, of, of the program. I always forget his name. I wish that the Eagles all year, it was never reported. The Eagles had the former Houston Texans uh, special teams coordinator helping out on special teams. Who knows? Maybe he's one of the reasons they got so much better. He was here all year, not a consultant, just a friend of the program. He would stop by at practice. He'd help out. They bounce ideas off him. That was Vic Fangio the year prior. He was not formally paid by the team until two weeks to the Super Bowl. He's just hanging out, friend of the program, friends. They got coaches coming in and out all the stinking time. People, it's not this big grandio. It might be a text. I'm not happy down here. Right? You know, wink, wink. They're friends. It's like I text Ed Kratz. We're not friends, but you know Ed hates me. But I text him every day. Boom, boom, boom. We say things. Yeah. It's not some big meeting where you're saying, "Oh, let's screw everything." It's like I don't like it in South Florida. 
I like it up there. You know, I'm probably not going to be around. I'm saying it makes some sense. It's not this big grandiose conspiracy where you got deep throat in the parking garage. It's probably a text. And they're like, well, Vic's going to be available. We yeah, love Vic. Jonathan Gannon said that him and Fangio, when Gannon was yeah. here, that Super Bowl year, they texted yeah. every week. Gannon yeah. admitted we we text every week, and we asked him what he texted me. He said mostly golf, but you know that yeah. that's tongue in cheek. I'm sure they're, you know, talking X's and O's and you know different schemes and this and that. But you know, he he was a friend to the program. Um, and if he sends a text, I'm not happy here. Then that that's just a bad look for Fangio. I don't know why you'd want a guy who's in the middle of a of a. Uh, you know, a playoff push. I'm not saying that happened. Yeah. I'm saying yeah, right. I, yeah, it's speculation, happened. but I, yeah. you know, I, I would think that wouldn't look good on Fangio if he's like already trying to get out when the Dolphins are sitting there with, you know, the division at stake. But he wanted to get out last year. And to his credit, he stuck to the contract. He agreed to the contract. That's what I was told. Um, you know, the Eagles were hoping he would back out and say, well, I didn't sign it yet. I can back out and become the Eagles. But he wouldn't do it because he agreed to terms. To his credit, and I always said, he did not Josh McDaniels, the Dolphins. Right. Um, he he lived up to his his word. And, and I do give him credit for that. But at the end of the day, he didn't want to be there. So, you know. And if the other side says, you know what? We're paying this guy $4 million. You know, why, why are we paying this guy that much money when we can get similar production at a much cheaper rate for a coordinator. That's what I think happened. I from the just, I'm telling both of you guys, certainly John, you more importantly, cause we do this every day. We get Eddie up about every two weeks, but Ed no full. Well, when you uh, come on uh, starting in camp, uh, one of my questions is going to be, and what friend of the program did you see? Uh, part of your job now is going to be to be able to pick out guys who aren't under contract to the Philadelphia Eagles for their former coaches elsewhere and uh, may have a tie to someone who's a coach on the Eagles team because it sounds to me like the Eagles got a whole bunch of friends in the program. Oh, and they do. Frank Reich was a friend of the program. Uh, you know, Nick texts them all the time. They got, you know, um, I'm trying to look up. I always forget his name. Because uh, Adam Kaplan and I were the first ones to see him because we recognized um, him. And he was around all year, all year. Um, and I'll find the name as we continue. Yeah, my my personal favorite happens to be Jim Bob Cooter. Because yeah. <laughs> Nick Jim Bob was pointed yeah. about, oh, there goes Jim Bob Cooter. So, yeah, <laughs> they have a whole bunch yeah. of friends in the program. So my next question logically has to be, Ed Kratz, do too many cooks spoil the broth? Did the Eagles have too many friends of the program? Oh, I, I, I don't know about that. Um, you know, it's always good to know people, to bounce ideas off of, to, you know, help you if you have a question. Uh, I, I don't think so. I, I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Frank Reich is on speed dial. He may not have a role like Fangio didn't have a role, but Gannon talked to him regularly. I mean, that could be Frank Reich. And, and I don't, really see the harm in that i don't think there's too many cooks spoiling the broth i mean it's just someone there to you know throw some advice out if you need it um i don't think you can ever have too many friends to tell you the truth um as, as long as you're not adding roles like I, I wonder sometimes if like you know sean desai felt a little threatened with matt patricia you know kind of looking over his shoulder as a senior defensive 
consultant. And, you know, you would hope that that wouldn't affect him. But I think it's only natural to say, hey, you know, we got this multi Super Bowl winning coach, you know, also in the building, giving his input, you know, to the players, etc. I'm not sure that's a good situation. But, you know, and I'm not sure it would be a good situation if they were to hire Frank Reich as an offensive senior consultant. I mean, just keep him in the shadows. You know, talk to coaches. I don't think you necessarily need to be involved with the players in the locker room. But, um, you know, I think offering advice from friends or getting advice from friends isn't necessarily a bad thing at all. Uh, Brad Seeley um, is is the special longtime special teams coordinator who was uh, spotted him at training camp with Adam, uh, asked if he was part of the, you know, if this were a Jim Bob Cooter situation. Um and it wasn't, he wasn't formally here, but he was in all year. He would stop in and help the team. And yeah, happens all the time. Happens all the time. And it's not necessarily a bad thing. But yeah, guys text each other in this league. And it's not formally tampering if you don't break a rule. The Cardinals broke a rule. And John Ferrari's the best in the business when it comes to rules. Um, overtime rule in the Super Bowl. That was John Ferrari. That's his rule. Um, um, you know, the Eagles are are really good when it comes to football ops. So they saw an advantage to take a, a, a rookie GM who made a mistake and broke a rule. And they got, to their credit, they got some trap capital. But this, this coaching stuff, everybody's got coaches coming in and out. Everybody. Al Groh was here the one year. Al Groh was hanging out. You know, Mike Rowe was here for years. Um, happens all the time. Half of these guys, remember we saw Steve Kime last year out of nowhere. I'm like, there's Steve Kime. What's Steve Kime doing here? I was expecting to see him being hired as a personnel guy at some point. Um, you know, how he tends to do that. Um, yeah, training camp, man, you got to have your head on the swivel. Problem is, you don't recognize a lot of these guys. Right. Yeah, that, that's going to be your job, boys. I'm going to be asking you about friends in the program all the time from training camp. Who's in, who's out, who's showing up, who's is, glad is, handing, who's giving info. Is there like an identification app on a, on the cell phone where you can just hold it up in front of the yeah. guy that's out and on the field? Face recognition. Face we got we, we to get CIA face recognition. <laughs> you now. can you can ask for that. I'm guessing the Eagles are not going to be very forthcoming. If if you need a helping hand from the Eagles to acquire that app, I don't think that they're going to go out of their way to help you guys out. Just just a guess on my part. Yeah. All right. Um, our buddy Brendan Greatly got was on us yesterday and did a good uh, uh, spot on his website. Eagles most improved player in 2024. He threw out uh, the the most improved Eagle in 2024. He gave uh, five possibilities. Crystal Ball, Ed Kratz, who do you think will be the most improved Eagle? In 2024, over what they've done, 23, 22, however far back you go, but the most improved Eagle this upcoming season. Wow. I mean, I, I think Milton Williams was pretty improved last year. I mean, he didn't really get that many opportunities, as many as you'd like to see him get. But I think he could be in the mix here for the most improved player on a defensive line that's kind of in flux. Uh, new defensive coordinator in Vic Fangio. I think Milton Williams could be a very improved player. He's never had more than 
I don't know, I want to say two or three sacks. And that's not all there is. I mean, I think Milton Williams is very good in the run game. Um, but I think you could see perhaps his sack total go up a little bit this year. Uh, I think it's the final year of his contract coming up. Um, so I, I would say Milton Williams would, would certainly be in that mix for me uh, to be the most improved player. Um, you know, I'd like to see N'Kobe Dean stay healthy to see what he can uh, do over 17 games. I'm not sure that's going to be realistic. Um, but if he can, he could be in the mix for most improved uh player. Again, Vic Fangio likes his linebackers athletic and fast and good instincts. And I, I think that Kobe has uh, what Fangio wants. It's just a matter of staying healthy. Yep. Um, you know, and again, the back end, you know, you, you look at someone like a, a Reed Blankenship, again, someone that, you know, he got hurt in game a couple times. He missed, I think, two or three games with injury. Uh, he's another guy that, uh, you know, given what Fangio wants, could have, a, a, you know, a, that kind of a season most improved player. But again, it all comes down to health with both him and Dean. So, uh, you know, right there, you, you know, I would say those two guys, but probably Milton Williams would be at the top of the, of the list for me. Um, our buddy Martin Frank did the homework. I give Martin credit for this. March 10th and March 13th, the last uh, two years, that's when Jason Kelsey announced he was coming back formally. Um, that's right before the start of the new league year. This year it's March 13th, um, March 11th, legal tampering. So March 10th would be a good date again. Is he going to take it up to that this year? Or are we going to know in Indy, Nick and Howie are going to speak on Tuesday. Are they going to know? Or are they going to let the cat out of the bag? Yeah. Um, I think Nick was asked about it at the combine two years ago. And he said, you know, they bought him a keg of beer and yeah, they're trying to yeah. lure him back and this and that. Um, I don't think they'll let the cat out of the bag, but you know, John, you and I've talked about this and, you know, it wouldn't be surprising if the Eagles already kind of know exactly what Kelsey is going to do at this point or have a good inkling um, because they need to plan for whatever inevitability it is. Is, is he coming back? Uh, if so, then, you know, do we, are we happy with Cam Jurgens playing guard again, year two, or do we need to move on or find somebody in the draft, et cetera? Uh, and if he's not coming back, then what? Does Ben Steen or Tyler Steen become the starter? Um, you know, I think there's just a lot of different things in the air right now as far as Kelsey's decision. So if you drag it out to March 10th and March 13th, like he did the last two years, yeah, he, he could do that. But I think the Eagles will know prior to that exactly what Kelsey's doing because it's a big decision. It impacts the team and they're planning for the offseason. All right. So I readily admit with my hypothetical questions that I have kind of been out there on the conspiracy limb, uh, but I'm climbing out onto that limb again. If the Eagles already know, and John has suggested he thinks that's the case, that if Jason has actually made his mind up, he's already told the Eagles, but uh, he'll tell the world when he chooses, how he chooses, and the like, because he's a media-savvy guy. And guess what? He's earned that. He absolutely should be able to dictate all terms on how he's going to make his decision at this stage. However, again, the conspiracy theorist that I am, I firmly believe that Tom Brady came back to play another year because he didn't get to announce it. That Schefter and ESPN decided that they were going to announce Tom Brady was retiring before Tom Brady could announce that Tom Brady was retiring. And Tom Brady said, I'll come back and do another year. 
And they did it just to basically tell ESPN, you don't get to announce my retirement. I announced my retirement. Did Eagles go down that road? Did they leak it out this week that Jason will be retiring because he just got... And then Jason gets all ticked off like Brady did, and he comes back and he plays, which is what the Eagles actually want. They want him to come back and play. So the best way to make that happen is beat him to the punch. Make the announcement for him. Eddie Kratz, what do you think about my view from the grassy knoll? <laughs> it's, uh, I think, isn't that like a little re- reverse psychology? Yeah. Yes, like, absolutely. Back year of college, taking psychology. Uh, yeah, you know, that's – that's. Uh, <laughs> I don't think that'll happen. But, you know, Jason Kelsey has said uh, over these last couple of years when he decides to retire, he's going to do it in in kind of a grandiose way. Like people will know. I mean, he's going to make a statement out of it, kind of like he made at the championship parade when he came out in the Mummers costume. I mean, that's the kind of decision I'm expecting is something with that kind of, you know, flavor to it, you know, something big. And, uh, you know, and the Eagles already kind of did leak it. I mean, he told players after the game in Tampa that he was going to retire. So, you know, I don't think he was real happy with that, that the players let it out. His teammates talked to the media in the locker room afterward and kind of put that out there. And so he backed off from it. And now, you know, maybe he is thinking the Tom Brady way and saying, you know, I want to go out on my terms. And he has said that before. He wants to go out in a way that kind of leaves a mark. So, you know, did they steal that from him? Could the Eagles steal that from him in Indianapolis next week? Maybe. <laughs> you know, it would ser- I don't know if that'd be, would- that'd be interesting. Yeah, yeah, that'd be interesting. But I still think he's I I still think he's gonna retire. Um, you know, it's he's already investigated, you know, these these other broadcast avenues, you know, on Amazon and Prime yeah. and yeah. ESPN. So I just think that he's probably gonna retire. But he, you're right, Jody. He wants to do it his way, and I don't think the Eagles would, you know, betray that. Their, their brain trust, anyway. I don't think Sirianni or Roseman are going to come out and say, "Yep, we know he's retiring," because that that would steal the thunder from Kelsey, and they wouldn't. Oh do no, that. it, it would <clears throat> leak through information. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. uh, not coming out so. on a podium and in Indianapolis, <laughs> I can guarantee you that. Well, right. Jordan, Jordan Mailata was out at the Super Bowl. Now Jordan's got. Uh, uh, quite the personality himself. And he was like, he's not coming back. Come on, guys. He's got his shirt off. He's playing poker with Bert Kreischer. You know, he's trying to jump through tables and Buffalo couldn't find one, but he's not coming back. Lane Johnson basically in the locker room in Tampa said everything, but he's not coming back. Um, Can he change his mind? Yes, of course. He's done it before. And that's an interesting way Jody phrased to get him to change his mind. Um, I don't think he's changing his mind this time, Ed. I think it's we're going to turn the page. And if you do turn the page, Cam Jurgens is going to be the center. Can't count on Tyler Steen. Is that right guard spot? Is that something you should look at in free agency potentially? Yeah, I think so. Um, sure. I, listen, I mean, uh, Cam Jurgens did not grade out very well, if you believe the pro football focused grades that they put out. I mean, he was one of the worst guards in the league. He got off to a really good start the first month and then he got hurt. He hurt his foot and missed, you know, went on IR and missed four games and came back and just didn't seem to be the same player he was to start the year. Um, you know, maybe year two, he'd be a little more confident uh, in his game. I don't know, but I do think you need to bring in some competition other than Steen, 
to compete for that job. Because remember, you're, you're going to lose Jack Driscoll, too, who could also have that versatility to play guard. I don't think Driscoll's coming back. He might. Um, but you're going to have, you know, if you lose Kelsey, you're going to lose probably Driscoll, too, and probably Sua Opeta. So you need to address the line in some form, whether it's free agency, you know, or the draft. I've seen this, this I think, a Oregon kid, the center uh, with two last names. I can't remember his name, but, you know, he's been mocked to the Eagles in the first round. as a, And, you know, he, would, he could play center. Maybe he's the center and they keep Cam uh, at the guard spot. I mean, there's a lot of different ways they could go for sure at that spot. But I don't think you just leave it status quo and hand the job to Jurgens again. All right. Uh, Tis the season to renegotiate contracts. And the Eagles will try and do that with some of their players who are big numbers for this upcoming year and uh, really need to bring them down so that they can have cap flexibility and the like. I want to talk about a renegotiation and I'm not even sure who does it, whether it's Howie, whether it's Don Smolinski, or whether it's the big man at the top, Jeff Lurie. If I'm Big Dom and <laughs> my contract is up and Derek Gunn is going on record as saying part of the problem was when Big Dom was out, Nick can't control my emotion. Sirianni ran amok. If I'm Big Dom, I'm walking in and asking for a raise. Do you know? Would you like to speculate on who he would do that with? Who? Who is? Who's, by the way, Dom. Dom hates Dom's Dom, Dom, Dom hates all this crap. By the way, uh, sorry, Big Dom. Yeah, yeah. I, he would go to Howie. I mean, you know, a couple of years ago, Howie gave all these new titles out to people. Yeah. He, he talked about, you know, handing out titles, and he gave Dom. Dom's title change then? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, his senior advisor to the general manager, chief security officer. That's Dom's title. Right. So he's he would go to Howie. Oh, so Howie, to Howie. And then Howie would go to Lurie, I guess, and say, hey, our big Dom wants, you know, a big raise. <laughs> well, he's a big guy, and I don't want to be the a one big to raise, no. Would he qualify for their top 51? Could he have an impact on the salary? No, that's a joke. No, I'm just <laughs> oh, on the salary cap, you're saying? Yeah. You think Big Dom's salary counts on the cap? No. Unless I, uh, Jody, on. when Jody came to training camp, he saw behind the, the curtain, so to speak, of how I know what each day of practice is, whether it's a green day, a red day, a mauve day, whatever color <laughs> um, the day is um, for practice, which basically means 45 minutes, 50 minutes or an hour um either way um uh, that's our buddy big dom but um yeah i mean at what point do people start blaming the stinking players for this it's everything it's everything but the players Ed. everything oh dom can't control nick's emotions nick can't do this the coaches stink this that the at what point does somebody look at the players and we, we, we went down this yesterday. You look at that one and six finish. Other than some special teamers, Jake Elliott, who's phenomenal, Braden Mann, tremendous, Britton Covey, who lived up to their expectations over those final seven games, player-wise? Smitty. That's it. One. We came up with Smitty. Devontae Smith. Besides the special teamers. Bunch of special teamers. Yeah. Smitty. Um, you're right. But you know, listen, the players, you talk to the players and they, they take the blame. Some of them, you know, they'll point to themselves, you know, the coaches can only, well, no, do I'm not saying, yeah, they, uh, they took, they, I'm they talking about everybody else though. Right. Everybody else is like, Oh, freaking Dom. I mean, I mean, come on. <laughs> I mean, 
<laughs> the Dom's great, but he's not. That's not the difference between a win and a loss. It's not. I'm sorry. In in defense of my guy D Gun, he did bring up two things yesterday, and he put Jalen Hurts Hurts first, and the pressure of the contract and everything else. And then second was Big Dom couldn't reel Sirianni in, so he did start with a player, Johnny Mac. He at least did in his two. What the hell happened to the Eagle Nuggets? No, I'm not Number blaming one with Jalen Hurts. I love everybody. Know, everybody should. I love D Gun. I'm not. I'm not talking about D Gun. I'm talking about people who are taking that to the next level. Deacon's just giving you information he heard. That's it. I'm talking about the people taking it to the next level, thinking that, oh, because Dom's not there, they're losing football games. I mean, guess what? Well, do you think Deacon was doing that? No, I don't okay. think Deacon was doing that. Uh, guess what? Dom didn't control his emotions with Dre Greenlaw. Very true. Everybody forget about that? And he got fined for it, right? He yeah. Got he had yeah. to come out of pocket for that. And suspended. I mean, he was yeah. suspended over the final few games. Yeah. Listen, coaches say and do things in the heat of the moment. And, you know, the players can't be so thin-skinned to say, oh, well, Nick got mad at us and, you know, we're not going to catch a pass or make a block or rush the passer as hard because we're mad at the coach. I mean, I, you know, I don't, I don't see that being, you know, a big reason for why they uh, struggled down the stretch, just like, you know, the other report that came out that there was something that happened outside the locker room, off the field, like whatever that is, uh, no, you know, that nonsense. Yeah, yeah no, it is no. nonsense. Yeah. I, you know, I just think there was some dysfunction there among the coaching staff. Different coaches wanted to do what they wanted to do. And I don't think it, Sirianni wanted to sign off on some of those things. And I think that led to some of the dysfunction, you know, down to the players. So. It could have been. It could be a lot of things. It could be. I'm sure it is many different things, and maybe those things are part of it. But I, I don't know. I, John's right. You got to look at the players. All right. Uh, good thing to know. John uh, gave us the times that the head coach and the general manager are going to be available out there in Indianapolis, at the combine. Eagles will have both their coach and their general manager there, as they should. Six teams are going to have neither. Yeah, that's how funny. they doing. It's more important than going to a combine and getting to meet with the, some of the young men you may draft. Just boggles my mind. Um, how he's got his work cut out for him this year. They've got eight draft picks as of right now. If, as projected, they get four compensatory picks because they only got four picks of their own. Um, what do you think his priority is going out to Indianapolis this week? Does he have anything specific he's looking to accomplish? I think you have to look at the defense, right? I mean, come on. You you need linebackers. Linebackers are big in a, in a Vic Fangio scheme, right? Uh, you, you need linebackers. You, you need – and, you know, maybe that Julian Aquara and Terrell, uh, Terrell Thomas. Hi, Davis. Uh, Lewis. Uh, no, talking about Terrell Lewis. Lewis. Yeah, no, li yeah, linebackers. Russia, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. Maybe those guys can contribute in some form, but you need to go out and get yourself a bona fide stud linebacker who doesn't come off the field. I think that has to be a priority and and the safety position. I mean, you know, Reed's a good player, but you know, he got hurt a lot just the way he plays the game. He's so physical. Um, I, I think you need to look at the defensive side of the ball. You know, they need to re, re fortify the safety and linebacker spots, but then again, you need running backs too. You only have, you know, they signed, you mentioned uh, the price price kid, uh, Ty price, you know, but they only have Kenny Gainwell under contract. Um, so I think you have to look at running back too, if you're Howie. So you're right, Jody, he's got his hands full 
as to exactly what he's going to need. I mean, you know, offensive line, we talked about offensive line, you know, you could certainly uh, make a case to add players at that spot. Um, so, yeah, I think he's going to look at those four positions uh, in whatever order you pick. I think it's got to be safety linebacker, linebacker safety one, two, and then you look toward the offensive side. But um, th those are the positions I would be really heavily invested in if I'm Howie Roseman. At Kratz E, make sure you follow Ed on X, uh, Twitter, if you like to call it there. You can read them every day at si.com backslash NFL backslash Eagles. Since we brought them up, he brought up Okwara. Um, the Eagles gave him a contract worth $2.675 up to $2.675. That's rare for a futures guy. And then they gave Ty Davis Price more than that. Um, so they have the two highest priced futures contracts in the NFL, which tells me two things. They think these guys have a legitimate shot to make the team. Um, for some reason, people are like, eh, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. I get the Eagles credit for this. Everybody else sits on their hands as future. We'll sign our practice squad guys. Eagles are uncovering rocks. I think that's a good thing. Might not be anything, but I, I like it. Is there any reason not to like it? No, and, and it's at positions that like they need depth. So, yeah, that's yeah. probably why they gave them more, because they are hoping that they can come in and, you know, give them some snaps. And, you know, I think I like Aquar. I mean, he's the one who's played most recently. Uh, you know, Ty Price, the third round pick of the 49ers a couple of years ago. I mean, they people got excited about Trey Sermon. You know, the Eagles signed him uh, after the third 49ers round pick of the 49ers. Him. So yes. we'll see who, who the next uh, Eagles running back will be in this draft when the 49ers take him in the third round. <laughs> yeah, two years <laughs> down 2027, yeah. look for the yeah. signing of. <laughs> yeah, I, but yeah, I think that it's a good idea that the, what the Eagles are doing. And it's, you know, these guys aren't household names, but, you know, they could be guys that contribute uh, in, in some way at some point for them this year. I think it's a good thing. Yeah, I just got a text from an unknown number that says, because of your hypothetical nature, your friend of the program card has been canceled from the Philadelphia Eagles. I was at one point a friend of the program. I am no more. Just sneak in with Brad Seeley. You'll, you'll get in. You'll get in. Yeah, it's the only way I'm getting in is sneaking in. You're right. Uh, Eddie, glad to always sneak you into the show. Thank you for doing it again today. We will punch up again in a couple of weeks. Uh, thanks, bud. My pleasure, guys. Have a good weekend. Thanks, Ed. That would Appreciate be it. from Sports Illustrated here with us on Birds 365. All right, we come back and put a bow on the show. One more segment of today's episode of Birds 365. But before we go, Birds fans, here's your chance to save upwards of 40% on your car insurance right now from one of Jacob Sports' great partners. Here's what you need to do. Call one of their two managing partners, Jim or Fran, and tell them you're a friend of Jacob Sports and Birds 365. Hi, I'm Jim Neilbronner, Managing Partner at DelVal Insurance Group. Give us a call. We're a local, knowledgeable agency, not an 800 number. Go Birds! Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit. And the hits. Go for the stakes 
and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Champions on three. One, two, three. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Hi everybody, my name is Jason Lombardi. I'm an inspector at DryTech. At DryTech we offer three major services. The first one being basement waterproofing. The second service we offer is foundation and structural repairs. And then the third service that we offer is mold remediation. If you feel you're having a waterproofing issue, give DryTech a call or check us out online. Stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV. Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. And the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. Coming down the home stretch here on Birds 365, a Thursday edition. Tomorrow's a... Well, football Friday edition, because there's not any football being played over the weekend. But it's football every day here on Birds 365, and it's Friday. So it's a full football Friday. And uh, for those on the stream, and I like our guys on the stream, a bunch of them seem pretty damn uh, in tuned into players who are eligible in the draft and what the Eagles should be looking at and the players that uh, could fit where they may be able to draft them. I give a bunch of our streaming guys credit for that because uh, they know the names and they know the strengths of the players and the like. Uh, so we've got some some draft Knicks who stream into Birds 365. Uh, you want to be tuned tomorrow because Ian Cummings from Pro Football Network is going to be on with us. He's one of our better draft guys. Uh, so uh, if you want to uh, put some stuff in the chat tomorrow for Ian Feel free to do so. Uh, good job by Stolness and Special Ed Kratz jumping in with us today. Uh, I'm good for tomorrow. Hold on. Let me think. Yeah, I got nothing else to do. What the hell? Um, either Waldorf or what did what did the streamer call us right at the top of the show? 
the the Muppet guys. What were the two names? I don't even remember what they were. Do you? Oh, know? those were the Muppet guys. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't know they were the Muppet guys. But uh, that's yeah. what I'm assuming. That's what you said. So I'm taking you no, at your no, word. No, I got no, no idea. I, I don't know. Oh, you I thought it was Craig Stadler? Yeah, Craig Stadler. The, the, uh, uh, the other the Waldorf, I got a uh, pretty big uh, thing, but I'm. Uh, that's all. I think I. Yeah, that. I, that's probably me. But uh, yeah, what? What? Waldorf. What? What's his name? Duffy. Some weird. Uh, there's a Waldorf, too. Waldorf. That's where, yeah. yeah. Uh, so that's where I was going. I don't know if it's true, but yeah, Who I knows? think it was, uh, it might have been a Muppet thing, but I'm not a Muppet fan. But uh, we'll you, you, you're gonna get us both back here tomorrow, whether we're Muppets or Duffers or just PSers. It's McDonald, it's McMullen, and we'll be back here in two and two. You've been listening to Birds 365, the destination for the passionate Eagles football fan who bleeds green. If it's Eagles football, we're talking about it. Debate inside the locker room and guests that are some of the greatest football minds from around the region. We hope you enjoyed the show. We know we had a blast. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hook up with us on social media at Jacob Sports. See you next time on Birds 365.